As we reach the 30th anniversary of the song that helped feed millions, it's a timely reminder that the job isn't yet complete. special midweek episode of the Mojo Show, meet the man whose dream it is to indeed feed the world in the simplest possible way. Hey everybody and welcome to this special edition of the Mojo Radio Show. Now for those who are tuning in for the very first time, It's a show about talking to the best of the best to help you take tips and tools away to get your mojo working in and out of work. And this is a special show because number one, it's midweek. And number two, we just felt as though we had to do something. Now, uh, I'm not sure if you remember or not, but that song was from, gee, Robbo, what, early 80s? Well, it's 30 years ago. 30 30 years years ago this week because the new one's just been released. Correct. And that was that song was all about uh, getting the best artists in the world, musical artists together in the world, to do a massive concert and an album, which was all about feeding the world for Band Aid with Bob Geldof, which we'll get onto in a second. Mm. And we recorded a show this week, uh, late one night this week, with a guy, and he had a dream not dissimilar to Bob Geldof's, and. We just figured rather than leave the show in the can for a later day, we figured we had to do something to help right now. So, Robbo, we're, um, we're going to roll it tonight, right? We do. And it's something that's, you know, as you say, is in the news right now. And, well, you and I both feel the same way. It's, it's, it's one of the biggest problems facing the globe is it, at the moment. So you, you came across um, Adam and his project online. Give us a quick, give us a quick snapshot of who, who this guy is we're about to talk to. Yeah, look, Adam Smith and Joanne Hewitt were uh, a couple of UK backpackers who were living in Melbourne a year or so ago. And, um, and Adam at the time was the head chef of a restaurant down there and saw on a daily basis how much food was just thrown away that was still fit for human consumption. And uh, when they returned to the UK, they got together with a couple of mates of theirs and they've started this company called the Real Junk Food Project. Mm. Um, As you'll hear in the interview, they saved tens of thousands of kilograms of food from landfill and fed thousands of people all on a pay-as-you-feel basis. So it's not necessarily a cash-in-the-hand project. Um, and it's not just a restaurant, but a restaurant is obviously part of, of what they do. So as you'll hear in the interview, the sad part is that they're about to lose their premises to, um, to developers unless they can raise some cash. So um, we're hoping that by bringing this, this interview forward to today, we can help them with that. Well, there's, there's two things to it. There's the, the helping Adam and the project. But number two, it's how inspiring his story and his mm. dream is. Mm. And I think a third thing that people could take from this is that it's a very simple idea that could be put into place anywhere, anytime, as he will demonstrate, because there are 40-odd cafes now around the UK alone mm-hmm. who've taken on this idea. And so anyway, we just thought it was worthwhile bringing this forward. It's a special midweek edition. We loved talking to him, and he certainly left me thinking about what else. So um, let's roll the interview now. This is Adam Smith from the realjunkfoodproject.co.uk and talking about his dream. So um, 
Let's talk. I have a dream. Everybody say amen. I have a dream. The Mojo Radio Show. Did you know that annually 1.3 billion tonnes of food gets wasted around the globe? <laughs> Did you also know that that's 40% of global production? That's wow. just sickening, is it not? It is. What if I told you there was a place called the Real Junk Food Project in Leeds in England that save 10,500 kilograms of food from landfill? Feed 2,800 people around 4,000 meals. And it's all food that's been rescued from restaurants. What would you say to that? I would say that is a pretty cool story. It's an amazing story, isn't it? Mm. And on the line in Leeds in England, one of the co-founders of the Real Junk Food Project is Adam Smith. How are you doing, man? Good morning, guys. How are you doing? Well, I don't know. Is it Magic Morning over there or is it... Oh, who knows? It's evening, it's, it's <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's early in the morning here, guys. It's, all it's, always dark. it's always dark here in the studio, mate. That's right. so. <laughs> can, I, can I quickly update you guys? Because the, the figures that you've got are um, a little bit out of date. Yeah, so please we've, do. We've, act, we've actually fed now um, 10,000 people with 20 oh, wow. tons of food that would have that gone to waste. And we've, uh, that's just in the cafe. I mean, we do a lot of outside catering as well. So we've yeah. probably... Um, you know, fed more than that, and we've created probably about twelve and a half to thirteen thousand meals out of food that would have gone to waste. That's unreal. I got to say, this sort of stuff really gets my mojo going. This, this is so cool, man. This, um, you're our first guest of a brand new segment for us on the Mojo Radio Show called "I Had a Dream." Can you, can you just take us back a tad to say when, when this concept started? Because it really is a whole new category, a whole new concept, and it's so noble what you're doing what was the dream um to feed the world it's as simple as that i, I believe mm. that well i know i'm going to feed the world um mm. i believe that there's enough food waste as you just mentioned out there um to feed all the people that are suffering at the moment and they reckon up to one billion people on this planet suffer from food insecurity whether they get access to food or whether it's just about a lack of education around food and for me it's just about distribution and access you know there's nothing wrong with how much food we create or produce on this planet it's just about getting access to the, to the people that need it the most and I believe that um, I'm going to be the facilitator for that and so is the Real Junk Food Project and yeah I think the since we began uh, globally the you know the amount of um, support we've got from the from the public has been absolutely overwhelming. You would not believe the, the videos and messages we've had from all over the world, from families in Asia and South America and in, over in Australia as well, of people mm-hmm. just saying, you know, when are you going to come to our town and sit and do this? Because everyone seems to be suffering from the same problem, whether it's, you know, food insecurity or just poverty in general. Um, a lot of people seem to be suffering, and it's. Um, I think people are just kind of angry at the fact that a lot of time, effort, energy and resources go into producing this food and for people just to unnecessarily throw it away for no reason is, yeah, I think it's caused a lot of people a lot of concern. Can you just talk us through the process? Yeah. The food, as I understand it... How does it work? Yeah, it comes from restaurants and it's not actually inedible, but it can't be served for various reasons. Is that correct? Well... Yeah, and it's it's not just uh, you know restaurants. We get food from like things like allotments, people's houses, um, mm. food photographers, food banks in the UK. Some supermarkets do try to help us out, but they're a pain in the bum. Um, they don't they don't do very much to support us. I mean, it's literally anywhere and everywhere we will take the food. And we, what we do is 
we use our own judgment. So, you know, as a human being, you know if food is off or not. If it's mm. growing legs and walking off your plate, don't <laughs> eat it, basically. You know, you can smell, you can taste, you can touch, you can see if food is off. Um, you have that skill. And I think over the last couple of generations, we've lost that kind of yeah. understanding of food yeah. and we're, so, we're, no, we're no longer associated with it. So people are manipulated by expiration dates. And yeah. what happens is that, you know, supermarkets know this and they can put these stupid display by best before, sell by dates on things. And then people are manipulated by them and they will just dispose of them for no reason without an understanding of the food, even if it's still fit for human consumption. So what we're saying is we will take all of this food and then using my skills and knowledge as, a, as you know, I've been a chef for nearly 12 years now around the world. And, you know, the skills of just, just being a human being and being able to judge this food, we will make it safe for people to eat. And, you know, like I said, we've fed 10,000 people now with food that would have gone to waste. So, you know, then 10,000 people haven't fallen down dead with food poisoning or, you know, or become sick of the back of this food. So therefore, we're showing that the reasons that this food has been thrown away is completely absurd it's, and it's completely wrong. Yeah. It's funny how we survived for so many years without expiration dates, isn't it? <laughs> exactly, yeah. And yeah, yeah, human beings evolved, you know, you know, quite um, efficiently in, you know, into what we are nowadays without expiration dates. And now, all of a sudden, these expiration dates are controlling people's lives, and it's um, it's having a huge impact on, you know, not just socially but environmentally as well. If you think of all the resources and energy that goes into creating this food, they say at the moment that, you know, fifty percent of the food that's grown on this planet is used just to feed food. So that's just to feed like livestock. Yeah. Right. So if you think of all yeah. the grains and pulses and stuff, that's but you know the, the water yeah. that goes into creating all of that produce for it just to be fed to livestock and cattle, for example, and then for this produce to be packaged, shipped around the world, and then for it to be thrown away because of an expiration date, is it, you know it's having a huge impact on all our resources. And you know it's going to come to a point where we're going to single-handedly destroy our planet just because we're um, irresponsible with our waste. Mm. So Adam, there is somebody sitting listening to this right now who's going who's in total awe and inspired by what you're saying, you had this dream, you could see it in your mind. Tell me, tell me how you went about doing this because this is, this is not been going for very long. No, it's not. But already you've got enormous momentum. Well, you guys inspired me over in Australia because like, I, I left the UK and came to Australia for spent 15 months there travelling around and I experienced some of the page of your concepts they have. There's one in Perth um, and there's the, obviously the Lentils Anything guys which is a guy called Shinaku who created that we're in email contact with and he's in awe of kind of what we're doing. And I saw this model being used where people could pay what they feel for the for their food but what they're doing what you do get guys do in Australia is you have these kind of minimum donations so you you know you hire people you have overheads and costs and what you do is you try to encourage people to pay as they feel uh, with the notion that what they give uh, contributes towards these overheads and costs but what we did is we said okay let's take that model and bring it back to the UK and then John Bon Jovi has one in, um, in New Jersey called Soul Kitchen and basically mm-hmm. he encourages people to donate their time rather than money yeah mm. So we said, let's take that as well. But the the reason that I started it was obviously visiting, you know, the Lentils Anything cafes and and, in Melbourne. And I literally just went onto the streets and just, you know, I was a chef in Melbourne on the River Yarra a restaurant called the Gasolina Restaurant and I was a head chef there and I just said will you support me in doing this and everybody the Australian attitude to it was was overwhelming I had so much support people you know shutting up the shops and coming over to me and giving me food while I was cooking on the barbecues and just giving it out to people and just kind of delivering this message about waste really really supportive and then I came back to the UK and I just hit all these regulations and red tape and yeah, yeah it was shocking yeah. the kind of attitude we have over in the UK so I just you know I stuck a finger up to the system I said you know what I'm just going to go do this and then I'll see what happens afterwards 
And if I'd have tried to go through the right right uh, channels and, you know, gone for the local councils and the government, etc., and said, this is what I wanted to do, they would have shut me down straight away. I wouldn't have been able to do this. So because we just did it, and then because we had all this kind of momentum behind us from the from support of the, of the public, um, it just went from strength to strength to the point now where, like I said, there's 47 these cafes around the country of people intercepting this food and having huge environmental and social impacts in what we're doing. So there are 70, 70 cafes around the UK, is that what you said? 47, sorry, 47. So there's 47 members of this network um, of basically people just coming to, and this is without me going out there and kind of saying who I am, this is what I want to do, etc. People just came to me and said, I would like to use your model in my town or city in the UK. How do I do it? And I basically just send them everything, my profit and loss accounts, my business plan, my business model, everything, just through an email and say, guys, as long as you take food that's going to be thrown away and you allow everybody access to it on the page you feel and then you're conscious of your own waste as well, then you do whatever you want with it and you just go away and run with it. And so many people have done absolutely fantastic. You won't believe, like, right now in Hackney in London, there's a group of guys building a cafe from scratch on an old World War II bunker um, oh, wow. just so they can develop this page of field concept. So when they launch in... in um, in London, it's going to be massive. Obviously, there's a lot of focus around London in the UK. Everything seems to happen from London. Mm. We're about 200 miles north from London, so we didn't get as much attention as they're about to do. Um, but yeah, there's people all over the country right now developing ways of how to deliver this model because you could just do it from your kitchen, from your house. You know, it's, it's a page-of-field mm. concept, which you don't need to have a cafe or a restaurant. You don't mm. need to have premises in order to do this. It's just simply taking that food, cooking it, and then letting every single person have access to it. So, because I believe that every single person on this planet shouldn't worry about food and everyone should have access to food. Absolutely. So, talk us through the pay-as-you-feel concept. I come to your restaurant and I order what's on the menu that night because, obviously, yep. because of the way you procure your food, the menu changes. Every day, yeah. And I finished my meal and I asked for the check. Where do we go from there? Okay, so it's not as orthodox as the, as the way you're um, as the way you're putting it. Yep. You you come into the you come into the cafe. It's it's a it's a nine while four kind of cafe at the moment, but we do private evening events as well. And you can there's two things you can do. You can sit down, you can have a meal, you know, and you can help yourself to cup uh, teas and coffee and whatever drinks are available. But you can also take food away as well. So it's it's a registered food bank, but we hate the whole food bank concept. We hate the fact that um, food that's no longer supposedly fit for human consumption is given to people who are not kind of worth anything are not valued in society so we were like well let's just everybody come in and let them just take whatever they want because it's not our food we're just facilitating it at the end of the day mm. so you can come you can do your shopping in the, in the back of the cafe you can you know take some bread some cheese some fruit and vegetables if you wish and then you pay as you feel so what pay as you feel allows you to do whether you know regardless of your financial situation you know your social demographic doesn't matter whatsoever you can you can financially donate so there's a bucket that you can leave a financial donation or you can give us something back in return which you feel that the service is valued at so you know we've got an electrician in the cafe now who he got injured recently he's got his own electric company he was injured and so therefore he had to go on benefits in the UK for quite a while and he came into the cafe and he's like this is amazing I've got my own business I'm an electrician can I do anything in return for you and I said well instead of giving us money you could rewire the electrics in the building so he offered us something in return that the business wouldn't have to incur as a cost. Mm. So, you know, our overheads and costs are very, very little because we use people's time and resources and skills as a way of them paying for their food. So we've got people, we've got, you know, we've got homeless people washing up for me. I've got people cleaning windows. I've got people doing gardening projects. It's about making people come together and kind of rebuild this very, very broken community that we have in Amway at the moment, but also making people feel valued. And it's just simply as powerful as just giving somebody a plate of food. Now, there's a couple of examples we've had in the cafe of 
people who have been on the verge of suicide um, because they've had no food, no money, no electricity in, their, in, their, in some of their houses that they live in around Leeds. And they tell, you know, they've been on the local media and, and national media, and they tell people that this concept has saved their lives. You know, if this wasn't here, you know, they would have, you know, they would have taken their own lives. So, you know, it's incredibly powerful what we're able yeah. to do just by giving somebody a plate of food. But also we're making people feel completely valued as well in a society which is, you know, very financially focused and oriented. We're trying to create this alternate economy around, um, you know, people sharing skills, going back to the kind of old battering system where people, you know, don't value it in the same way as they do with, with money. It's gold, Adam. It really is terrific. So you, with what you're doing, and we know we've got listeners in some pretty remote parts of the world and South Africa and the US and everywhere else, which is, which, and then the UK, if people yep. are liking what they're hearing here, Adam, is it fair to say you would be happy to hear from them to share your message to join with them into this movement you're creating to help feed the world? And they can do so by, I mean, they can, they can simply email us. It's just the real junk food project at outlook.com. They can literally email us. And I, I reply to every single email. I make, a, I make, a, you know, I make that very clear that I, I respond to everybody that contacts us. Um, but also at the moment we have this campaign going where, unfortunately, the landlord has given us a 50-day time limit in order to come up with money to purchase the building. Now, the concept... Um, has raised nearly £30,000 so far since we've been around for like 10, 11 months. So it's it's financially safe as a company. It's just we didn't have the money in place because in the UK, you cannot obtain a mortgage as a business unless you've been trading for longer than a year. And because we haven't, no. we're in this no. catch-22 situation where we can't kind of afford to pay for the building outright, but also we can't obtain a mortgage even though we can afford to have a mortgage. So mm. there's a campaign at the moment going around on Twitter and social media called hashtag save your cafe um, we've been on quite a lot of local media recently and it's basically we're asking people not to donate but we're asking people to invest and kind of invest in the long term security of this concept so that we can continue the work we're doing so that we can continue literally feeding people and stopping food from going to waste so if people would like to take part and they can't necessarily get to the cafes and or, you know, fly across to England to come and visit us they can contribute in any way they see fit and basically they can just contact us through an email and say you know, we'd like to offer something in return or they can financially contribute to as if they wish through the through the real dream food project uk website and and leave a donation if they if, you know if they wish but yeah we're trying to get across to people that you know we're not struggling financially this isn't about you know saving the con the, the real dream food project the real dream food project will always exist it's a financially safe model it's just this cafe unfortunately is going to be taken away from us in the new year if we can't afford to pay for it so far we've raised five thousand pound in in five days just from twitter and, and facebook and we're about to launch a kickstart campaign in the uk hopefully um, so we can get more kind of focus on board nationally for people to get involved and help us out. But one of the things about the Real Jumpy Project, which makes us unique, is that we want to put ourselves out of business yesterday. You know, we don't want to be doing this in 10, 15 years' time. We believe that if we abolish waste food tomorrow, we will shut the cafes because we've done what we're, we're aiming to do. Um, that makes us kind of unique when it comes to the third sector organisations in the UK. A lot of them prolong the problems in order for them to continue, but we literally want to put ourselves out of business. You know, I don't want people growing up in 10, 15 years' time, children especially, depending on food banks and depending on pay as you feel cafes because they're so disassociated with food. So we have a huge education programme at the moment where we're trying to get kids touching food again, you know, knowing about where food comes from, knowing about food management, etc. So hopefully, in 10, 15 years' time, you know, we can say, right, we've abolished waste food and we've also created a whole new generation of people that just have a basic understanding of food. Mm. How long have you got to raise this money, Adam? 
Uh, we're down to 49 days now. We had 55 days in total. We've been there. This is the sixth day today. Uh, we've got 5,000 pounds in total. Um, Robbo, we should, well, we will. We'll get this up um, immediately mm-hmm. on the show. Mm-hmm. So that's um, and uh, we will put hashtag Save Your Cafe and the Real Junk Food Cafe Project details in our show notes, Adam. Because this is this is so cool, man. I mean, what you're doing is so, and like just just there are people listening to this who will be in awe of what you're doing. It really is fantastic. Is it your belief, Adam, that anybody could do this? Oh yeah, anybody can do this. And I kind of, kind of I, I, want, I want to just. I, you know, I don't want to sound egotistical about this at all, but, you know, for the last 10 months, we've never, ever paid ourselves to do this. So we do about 100 hours a week doing this, all mm. completely for free, because we believe that this is the right thing to do, and we, we want to put ourselves out of business, so we just put so much effort into this. But the fact that pay-as-you-feel model, as an actual business model, we, we have this thing in the UK called a community interest company, which is basically um, you can set up a business, but your profits have to be used kind of not-for-profit, and it has to go back into the community. Now, what's happened is the reason that this has um, moved so quickly and so many people have jumped on board is because the model, you're able to pay yourself a wage out of it. So people who are doing this can actually take a, you know, take a wage out of it and make a living out of it as well. Mm-hmm. So they don't have to give anything up like we have done in order to do this. So, you know, that's the reason why it's moved incredibly, incredibly fast because it's, you know, it's, it's a financially sustainable uh, model as such. But, yeah, we have given up absolutely everything in order to, to get this off the ground and to basically be an example to people and say, look, you know, I've got a nine-month-old baby boy. I'm at university full-time. I run this business and there's 47 cafes around the country and I run my own charity as well. You know, there's nobody that can come to us and say... I don't have money or I've got children or, you know, mm. I've got work, I can't really do this. It's like, you can because we now have a, a working model of 10 months of an example of how we've gone about and done this with all those kind of, I won't, I won't say hindrances because my son's not a hindrance, but, you know, with all these kind of other things going on in your life, you're still able to do this. Anybody can do this concept. It's incredibly simple and incredibly beautiful, you know, to be able to give somebody a plate of food and watch the, the you know, the face. Um, you know, especially children. We've had children coming to our cafe at four or five o'clock in the afternoon shaking because they've not had a meal all day because their parents are suffering from the welfare system in the UK and they can't afford to pay for food. And to just sit there with a ton of food in your cafe going, how is this possible at the same time in the same place? So much food is wasted, but yet, you know, children and people are suffering at exactly the same time. I just, I, that bit is about what I don't understand. And so, yeah, I won't, I won't ever stop fighting to, you know, to create this equality in humanity in, in this in this planet, which I think we've lost somewhere down the line. What does intercepting food, just to, just to close this bit out, Adam, because I think um, Robbo's question about how does it all work, I kind of get the whole thing. Just, um, you've mentioned before that word intercepting food. Just, can you just yeah. clarify for me how that happens in order to get the food to then sure. distribute to the children and people who need it? Sure, yeah. So interception is a word we came up with because we don't believe that the food is waste and the word food waste was a terminology that was thrown about and it's kind of highlighting that this food is no longer fit for human consumption. So we believe that it is. So interception is basically the point between the individual or the organization and the, uh, the point where it actually becomes waste and no longer fit for human consumption. So that's when it's being turned into energy, which is anaerobic digestion, or whether it's being fed to livestock or whether it's being uh, sent to landfill. So that point... Uh, in between that, we're the ones that are intercepting it. So we go and collect this food. We drive all over the country collecting food. I'm, you know, I'm collecting 14,500 cakes tomorrow down in um, the south of England from a 
children in need campaign where they've been lining up a world record attempt at the longest line of cakes in the world and we're going to go down and take all the cakes <laughs> afterwards so that they don't go to waste. You know, it's things like this, you know, and there's like, there's food photographers in the UK that take pictures for advertising and branding purposes. So if you imagine all your, you know, your pub and your restaurant menus, if you imagine all your Christmas hampers and things like that, you know, all these pictures, there was food there originally for these people to take pictures of. They get sent it from organizations from all over the world and they get sent hundreds and hundreds of these products and they only need one or two to take a picture of and right. the rest of it is wasted so what they do is they email us they ring us up at 24 7 and they say can you come and collect this food and because we're so established in leeds now you know people literally just turn up on our doorstep in vans and cars going um can you take this food and it's like yeah of course we can mm. and it'll be things that have expired it'll be things that are surplus or excess there'll be things that haven't expired which they just don't know what else to do with it and mm. there's no one else to take it off their hands and so they just bring it to us and then you know we make that responsible decision on on what we can do with it and yeah we do a lot of stuff in the cafe so we obviously we feed a lot of people meals we have the food bank initiative which we call a food boutique um but we do a lot of outside events as well so people come to us all the time and say can you cater for this event as we say to them as long as people are understanding of where the food is coming from, and we can come and deliver our messages, and of course we will come out there and we will um, we will cater for your events. So, you know, we've done some huge events where we've catered, you know, anything up to 150, 200 people with food that would have gone to waste, and it's a, it's a great kind of occasion where you just see this big display table full of you know food. On Saturday night, for example, we were fed a university in Leeds, and we had. Um, Lobster, whole salmon, rabbit terrine. Somebody brought in some rabbits into the cafe. Um, we had scallops on there. We had vegan dishes. We had um, whole chicken from a company called Nando's in the UK. I think it was Nando's. Yeah, yeah. Um, they, they give us all their chicken. So we had roasted barbecue chicken. Um, and all this know, was dessert. completely edible and would have gone to landfill. Is that correct? But the, yeah, it's not necessarily landfill. I mean, in the UK, there's a landfill tax now, so a lot of companies are avoiding landfill. They use a process called anaerobic digestion, which is where food waste is turned into energy, but the kind of productiveness of that is is, is not very good at the moment. You know, yeah. for... Um, I don't know what the you know the actual figures is, but if you imagine, say, a hundred units of grain is used to feed um, cattle, for example, mm. and the productive energy out of that would be about ten units, mm. and then you anaerobic digested this beef, you would probably get one unit out of it. So that hundred yeah. units of energy in the original place is only productive. We made about one unit, so it's, it's very, but it's a way of avoiding landfill. So yeah, this food is literally. 100% fit for human consumption. And the thing is about it is just because the food has expired doesn't necessarily mean that people are going to get sick. It's about what you do with it, how you handle that food, and it's about making that food safe for people to eat. So that's basically what we do. We, we go out there and we make this food safe by, you know, being responsible with that food, cooking it correctly, reheating it correctly, etc. We've gone through bins where they've had whole wheels of cheeses, you know, three, four kilo wheels of cheeses, completely covered in its wax film, put into a plastic bag and then put into these bins and these bins are some of the cleanest vessels you will ever see because they can't be dirty because it's in a, a supermarket environment and th there's nothing wrong with this cheese you know the things that we had lobster, scallops, whole salmons, rabbits uh, on a menu feeding at a university and people now People are walking around Army now, especially homeless people, especially um, people who are dependent on drugs and alcohol. There's a lot of it, unfortunately, in Army, who have now experienced caviar because there was four jars of caviar being thrown away by a supermarket in the UK, and it didn't go out of date until December 2015, and they were just throwing it away. We have no idea why. Mm -hmm. you know, we don't necessarily question why. We just kind of intercept it, and we had it on our menu. So in a cafe that's you know using waste food, one day in that cafe I had... Um, soy and honey smoked mackerel salad with pink grapefruit and lump fish caviar. 
I'm coming. And there's now people uh, homeless, you know, <laughs> Hello. who have experienced this dish, which is absolutely, it's, it's absurd. Like, you know, it's people like me and you, for example, I don't know, I don't know how wealthy you guys are, but, you know, I couldn't afford to have that in my life every single day, but no. through this, I'm able to experience this. You know, some of these guys yeah. have never, it's, it's shocking, it's absolutely shocking what we're able to do through through the notion of waste. And, and it's awesome so, yeah, it's what you're doing. basically. It's absolutely yeah, it's basically, awesome. I mean, one other example is um, a guy came to us on, uh, last week and said to us he's got a coffee shop in the UK and he had lots and lots of uh, ice cream, which is about £50 a tub. I mean, really expensive um, ice cream, beautiful gelato ice, uh, Italian ice cream. And he said that over winter time, which is winter now in the UK, that he wouldn't sell ice cream, nobody eats ice cream. So therefore, he was going to throw it all away. It was like £500 worth, so I don't know, $750 to $1,000 worth of of um, ice cream he was just going to throw it away and he'd give it to us to use and then he donated us the ice cream parlour to put it all in so on this, this, on this Saturday evening where we fed these uh, 150 people at this university you know we had a big ice cream parlour display just feeding people salted caramel ice cream and mint chocolate chip and you know the best vanilla bean ice cream um, you know that this guy would have thrown away because he said it wouldn't have lasted till summer so he basically came down and gave it to us now people are being responsible with it now whereas I dread to think as before we were here what he would have done with that you know with that mm. produce or what anybody would do with this produce mm. you know just to think of the, the 20 tons of food that we've got you know we're not even anywhere near touching the top of the iceberg yet compared to the amount of food that's thrown away on a, on a large scale across the world so yeah we know, we're not we're not oblivious to this you know we're not kind of naive we know that 20 tons of food is a lot and 10,000 people is a lot of people but uh, there's a lot of food out there. There's a lot of people, people that need feeding at the same time. So we have to move quick. Well, a c- couple of things. We will um, we will do our best to help share the message of mm. um, hashtag you Save Your Cafe. We will put all cafe, of the yeah. show notes. We'll send people to your Thank website, you. mate. What you're doing um, is just brilliant. And I just say to you, man, you know, keep the dream alive. But at the same oh, time, anyway. you know, you and the guys at the cafe, just take, just take a moment from time to time look back over your shoulder because the work you've already done is outstanding and sometimes we get so driven to keep, you know, we haven't done our job yet. But, yeah. man, what, what you've already done is just it's awe-inspiring and just take, take a moment from time to time, you know, just to, <laughs> to, to, to <laughs> chill and pat yourself on the back and... Uh, um, and uh, what do you reckon, Robbo? We'll we'll do our best. We'll get a we'll get a really we, nice show put together. And absolutely, we will work our butts off because I I I'm in awe. I I really am. I think it's a fantastic Thank idea, so and I love every angle of it. I love the fact that we're saving food. I love the sense of community that it creates. Everything yeah, about it is just unreal. Yeah. But mate, you, you've got your head around the <laughs> lobster, caviar, anything to do with food, you're all over. Well, I was going to say to Adam off air if there was any <laughs> spare frozen lobsters floating around that he could shoot them over this way, but, you know, I was going to keep that till later. <laughs> anyway, if you keep talking about food there, brother, he'll pay as he feels, all right, because when he's eating food, he's feeling awfully good. All right. Really, guys, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, just... Pay as you feel for me so you can just support us in what we're doing. That's a way of paying us back. That's, Absolutely. That's the whole Mate, part of the concept. We will, we will actually try to get back in touch with you, I think, in January, won't we, Gary, to see how things went? Well, I think we no will. Worries, I, think, no I think we will. If, and if you're up for it, can we, uh, can we talk to you again in, say, 30 days to see how it's all progressing, to see what else we can do? Not a problem. Not a problem. You can contact me on Sunday. Not a problem. Terrific. Great. Let's do that. Mate, thank you so much for your time. You're very welcome, guys. You're very welcome. Enjoy your you're Thursday. Champion, mate. Good on you. Yeah, thank you so much. Take care of yourself. Good, mate. Thanks. See ya. Bye. Getting your mojo working. This 
is the Mojo Radio Show. It's just inspirational, isn't it? That was a great find, mate, and mm. I... I really hope that our listeners can get behind this project and we can help. And it's not just helping raising the funds because he's got a limited time to raise his funds. But the second thing is, I think, more importantly, is his dream Mm. of feeding the world. And that part we could all do in some way in Mm. our communities. I just Mm. think this is such a simplistic idea that has so much power. Mm. Now, Da Vinci said simplicity is the ultimate sophistication. This is a sophisticated idea because of its simplicity. Yeah. And if you want to talk about Mojo, because this is a Mojo show, in terms of his thinking, you know, the first question we ask him, how did, you know, what was your plan for this? And Mm. what was his answer? Feed the world. Feed the, that's all. Yeah, just that. Just feed the world. Just that. Yeah. Anything else? But no, you know, if you go into it with that, si- if you go into it with that type of thinking, how can you fail? Yeah, exactly. Mm-hmm. I think it's the thing we don't dream. A lot of us don't dream big enough. We mm-hmm. we stay in our little comfort zones. What we think we can do, as opposed to dream about what we really want to happen. And he's mm-hmm. a, and he can see, you can, you can hear it in the, in the coming through the through the speakers. He he's got so much passion and drive. I mean, he'll make this thing happen. Mm-hmm. But also, um, ironic that we should happen upon this because Band Aid Thirty is happening right of now, course. right? Yep, indeed. And then, and if there's another project that was never going to fail with a man like Bob, Bob Geldof behind it, you know, it was that project. And what are we up to? Incarnation three or four now, I think, you know, yeah. that's raising money for these these um, causes. I'm such a fan of, uh, of Geldof. We, folks, we're going to put a link to Band-Aid 30 to the website and to the song. So if you're inclined to help the Band-Aid 30 project, which is a baddie bowler, but it's still a dream now that Geldof has. And the other thing is not just having a dream, but actually putting the rubber to the road and actually doing something mm. about it. We will put a link to make it easy for you. And as Bob, Sir Bob said, don't just go onto, you, onto YouTube and watch it. Don't just rip it off from somewhere. Go in and spend a couple of quid yeah, in his words and uh, download the song because we yeah. are. And we are going to do our bit to um, to help this thing along because I think anyone who is getting off their butt and doing something to help others, number one, it is the ultimate way to get your own mojo working. It's been said that being empowering someone else in some way and helping is the best way. It's the key step to happiness and the key step to getting your mojo working. Number two, it's just the right thing to do. Definitely. Well, that's a very very special show, man. That's a that's a beauty. Well done. I enjoyed that. We should. Um we should find some more causes like this, I think. We <laughs> I feel all inspired. Well, we we will. should or will. We will, I think. Yes, we should and will. Number one, I'm loving this dream, I have a dream mm. uh, segment. I think that's really mm. cool. And number two, I think we're going to open up the lines now and not lines as in our old radio days, take a couple of callers, but open up the mojo line and we will give airtime to people who have got great projects, who have got great yeah. dreams that others can uh, hear and be inspired by. It's, it's cool. As they should be. Mm. All right. I think we'll uh, better head off and get next week's show ready, I suppose. Enough said. <laughs> Talk to you soon. The Mojo Radio Show is produced and recorded in the studios of Voodoo Sound. For more tips and tools to get your mojo working, check us out on Facebook at The Mojo Radio Show or online at themojoradioshow.com. For more about Gary, see garybertwhistle.com or to polish your next audio or video production, check out voodoosound.com.au and for the right voice, realtimecasting.com. Andrew Peters speaking. See you next time.